Welcome to Authors Revealed. I'm Becky Anderson. We're thrilled to have Max Allen Collins and A. Brad Schwartz with their new nonfiction. It reads like fiction. It's Scarface and the Untouchable, Al Capone, Elliot Ness, and the Battle for Chicago. Well, Max and Brad, welcome to Anderson's Naperville. It's a real thrill to have you guys here. Well, it's great to be here, and what a great store. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, we've been here a long time, so we have a long history. Oh. So, um, but I just, I just want to thank you, and how exciting for this book. It's not even out a week yet, mm -hmm. no. so about six days. Mm -hmm. But what reviews it's getting, and reviews, the blurbs on the book are absolutely phenomenal. I'm so impressed. You guys have to be so pleased with the reaction that's, that's already, it's already getting before a lot of people have had a chance to read it. I know, and uh, Sarah Paretsky, who's Chicagoan yeah. of great renown, is uh, and is a something of a pal of mine. But she just loved the book. Yeah. And uh, Oscar Goodman, uh, former mayor of Las Vegas, who who right. identifies as a former mob attorney, <laughs> um, uh, really enjoy. I was kind of apprehensive when we sent him yeah. the book, knowing that he's he represented sort of many of Capone's uh, successors and and knows that world. And to have him say that it it meets his standard of accuracy made me feel very good. Well, it's gotten some great reviews as well, and you should be very proud of this. So we're yeah. thrilled to have you guys Thank here you. to you. talk about this book. So I know it's only been out six days, but what are you hearing from readers? I mean, your fans and those who know you from your first book with Orson Welles and uh, The War well, of the Worlds? Well, I did send, uh, I did through my website, maxallencollins.com. Your, your viewers are smart enough to put the www dot on <laughs> the front, right? I uh, so. But I, I gave 10 advanced copies out to people oh, yeah. uh, saying, you know, if you like it, put something on, on the various sites. And they have um, all been stellar. Three five-star reviews so far. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and they talk about it, and some of the reviewers talk about it as reading like a historical novel, right. as reading like a, a novel. And, uh, and yet, the underpinnings of it are this incredible research that mm -hmm. was I did some, because mm -hmm. it, it's a misnomer to say that people have this idea that I wrote it and he did the, you know, did, did the research, but that's not true. Okay. Uh, he no, actually did more research than I did, <laughs> yeah. but we both, we both did the writing. Yeah. Uh, I would say you concentrated more on Elliot Ness. Writing that part, yeah. And I sure. concentrated more on Al Capone, and yeah. then we kind of traded back and forth and edited each other. He's a fine writer. He is, you know, he's a Princeton doctorate. Yes, candidate. I know he is. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. <laughs> but I, no, I just think it's so it's so fascinating this collaboration because here you have, you're a crime novelist. You've, right. You've written in so many different genres from graphic novels. You've done film. You've done all, you know, a one man play on Elliot Ness. Yes. And you know, and all those different things you've done, and you have a huge fan following of your crime fiction. And here you are, this academic researcher who's mm -hmm. working on his doctorate at Princeton mm -hmm. in history. Mm -hmm. And I just think this collaboration is really incredible because. The best fiction for me is a fiction. I mean, nonfiction. It reads like fiction, so it's that narrative nonfiction that is is so compelling that you 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 got just read it to the end. Well, I yeah. have written a lot of historical crime fiction right. and always researched the books as if right. I were getting ready right. to do a nonfiction work, and it it took some convincing from Brad to get me because I said, you know, I, I I've said everything there is to say about Elliot Ness. I did my yeah. one man did four novels. He's in the Nathan Heller right. books did the one-man play, which is 
going to be out on Blu-ray in oh. Oct October. Okay. Uh, but he, he's pretty convincing. Yeah, I, I kind of get the feeling. <laughs> but I, I want to know with collaborations like this. I know you guys met in mm -hmm. um, a bookstore. Mm -hmm. So we tell did. us a little bit about that first time you met and how the seeds or the spark um, got started for Scarface and the Untouchable. I think you should go sure. way back to the beginning. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Uh, I mean, you mentioned he's got quite a fan following through all the different media that he's worked in. And, and I began as one of those fans, really through Dick Tracy. Um, which you wrote for a number of years. You did the, the tie-in novel for the Warren Beatty film, which was the first mm -hmm. book of yours I'm pretty sure I ever read. I listened to it on audio cassette. I was, oh. that, I was that little, probably about five or six. I loved Dick Tracy as a kid. I loved that film. And at a certain point, I, thanks to my mother, who recommended I watch the Kevin Costner film, The Untouchables, mm -hmm. made the same discovery that you had made a few years ahead of me, which was that um, this, this comic strip character that I'd always loved had a real-life counterpart who was remarkably similar. Uh, and we'll talk maybe a little bit later about how similar he turns out to be. Right. But um, seeing that film and learning that there was a real Dick Tracy in some form inspired me to read everything that I could. And that, of course, led me to your Ness novels, your Nathan Heller books, everything I could find that, that tied into the era of Ness and Capone. Um, and all of those historical novels, and this is really, I don't know how, if you realize the extent to which you've impacted me here, all of those novels have an afterword where you talk about the research mm -hmm. that you did, mm -hmm. the, you know, this is what's true, this is what's not, these are the composite characters I created, this is what I was basing it on, and going really into the detail of mm -hmm. how you put those books together. And you always would say, you know, your method was to uh, research the definitive book and write a private eye novel instead. And as I'm reading these as a, you know, 10, 11, 12 uh, into high school. You were reading that yeah. smut at that age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell my mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm le I was learning the, the profession of a historian in the most, you know, right, in, in, right. at beginning. Um, but and in even a compelling way to read it, though. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. And being inspired to seek out the true story, to look at mm -hmm. newspaper articles, to look at this microfilm of the Nest Papers that you, you rediscovered in, in Cleveland. Um, and, and at a certain point, having read a lot of nonfiction about this subject, having seen how Ness was often mischaracterized compared to what I had seen in the historical record as a 14, 15 year old doing this research, and then getting to know you going to a signing at, at the Centuries of Sleuth bookstore in Forest Park in Chicago, um, and really loving your work and, and really being fascinated with Elliot Ness, and you sort of taking me under your wing. I would go to book signings that you would do, and eventually you and and your, your wonderful wife, Barb, would say, why don't we go out to dinner afterward, and we would talk writing. And you always had this idea of uh, a novel that would tell the story of the untouchables from the alternating perspectives of Capone and Ness. Um, and back I, and forth. Back and forth. And I, you told me that one of the very soon after we met. Um, and so as I go off to the University of Michigan, I'm learning to be a historian, uh, being trained in the craft of research, doing my, my thesis, which became my first book on the Orson Welles War of the Worlds broadcast. Um, broadcast hysteria. Broadcast hysteria. hysteria. Orson Welles' well, War of the Worlds and the Art of Fake News. Fake News. Thank you. Which is so apropos. Um, right. And, and mm -hmm. as, I'm, as I'm picking up all this training, we had the thought that you're a veteran, skilled storyteller. I'm being trained as an academic historian. We could combine our talents and really do this story right in a way that it hadn't been done before. And to, to take that kernel of an idea mm -hmm. and turn it into, uh, but, yeah. but really to to have the, the bibliography, the source notes, the sort of nonfiction gravitas, so that all the research that you had done and then I came in and contributed to 
enter the historical record as the definitive work. So, so what is the time frame? When did you guys decide that this was the book you were going to, featuring, you know, Al Capone and... Three well, years ago? Well, well the, our initial conversation was back in 2011, okay. when, when we were, as we often did, complaining about a lot of what had been written, and eventually I said, we need to stop complaining and do something about this. And I was still in college at that time. So I had to do, I had to publish my first book. I had, there was some convincing that had to be done on my part before yeah. I could, I could uh, drag him into this. Um, but yeah, about um, 20, 2013, we started working on it just as a, a prospective idea. In 2015, it became a book. And the initial idea, I mean, you can kind of see how, how uh, uh, hefty, 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 hefty yes, it right. is. Um, the initial idea was to follow them both cradle to grave, to tell right. the full story, because Ness has this remarkable second act when he goes to mm -hmm. Cleveland, he revolutionizes the police department, battles the mob, chases one of America's first serial killers, and then very late in the game, uh, well, you should tell that part of the story. No, you sh you're doing fine. Oh, well. well. No, no, that was one of my questions, you know. Right. I, I read that you guys wanted to st right. basically tell about their childhoods. And well, and yeah. And go all the way well, from the beginning uh, to end. Uh, but uh, what uh, made you change that idea? Well, that so, yeah. we actually didn't change the idea. What happened was I had, some, I had some health problems, and there was a period of about three months where we had the contract for the book, and he started kind of started without me. He got, mm -hmm. got started, and I was, just, I was just out of the loop. I was loopy. Not, I'm not in the loop. And so as I recovered from this uh, medical stuff, I, I thought, well, I got to get into the game now. Mm -hmm. And so we went to, uh, to New York. Is it bad taste for you to mention we went to New York for me to get the Grand Master Award no. from the Mr. Writers of America? I say that's okay. To Is that all right? <laughs> yeah, you're okay. Okay, so that's okay. So that was so that's 2017. <laughs> not that long ago. No. So we're sitting down. I, I, I thought, now was an opportunity to meet the editor because I I had only talked to him on the phone once or mm -hmm. twice, and you, having been at Princeton, would mm -hmm. had been in and seen him any number of times. Yeah. So my wife Barbara and I went out to to lunch with him, and he kind of wanted a progress report, and I'm saying, well, if everything's going great, just what do you you know what do you want? When do you want it? Does the delivery date? You know, all that publishing yeah, stuff. Sure. He said everything's fine as long as you. As long as you stay at right around 100,000 words, because we want to give it to, you know, we want to bring it out Father's Day. They're originally going to bring it out as a Father's Day right. book. And they said, and you know, dads don't, don't like to read books quite that long, <laughs> so st stay right at 100,000 words. I go, oh, okay. And I'm thinking, we just hit about 150,000, <laughs> and we had gotten to, and we were at the, the end of the Chicago story. Right. So we, we sat down and said, you know, this really is already a book right yeah. they want a book it's a yeah. very complete story you know and you don't have to the the second part is just totally different characters to, it carries through similar themes right but it's mm -hmm. very much a change of scene so we, we we basically went back to to the editor and said you know as we've written this and we and some of it was baloney I will admit but we said as we've <laughs> been working on this we've decided we really want to just concentrate on the Chicago yeah. half of the story and so uh, we actually spent some time getting it closer to 100,000 words. Then the craziest, most delightful thing happened from mm -hmm. this editor, mm -hmm. which is he basically said, Because oh, initially we just ended the book kind of where, yeah. where the final chapter ends now. Mm -hmm. There was no epilogue. And he wanted more. And I, and I said, well, we're going to be over 100,000 words if we do more. And he, he didn't care. At you're not point, even including the sources at the end. No, no, no. <laughs> no. And so, uh, and, and yeah. Brad wrote a draft of an epilogue which really pulled everything together and took us up 
not only through the lives of, of Capone and Ness in a shorthand kind right. of way, but where Chicago went over those years, how Capone became an icon, how Ness became kind of weirdly a pariah, mm -hmm. and he did a fantastic job on this thing. And usually there's a real mix of our writing. But I looked at this and I said, I really don't think there's much that needs to be done to this. And so I did, did what I would call a very light edit on this. And uh, that epilogue, which is, I think, the best thing in the book, uh, is largely uh, Brad's work. Okay. So the so your editor, William Morrow, which Peter is Harvard, a part yes. of, of HarperCollins, which right. is a great New York publisher. Um, what was it like working with them and him as your editor? Was So it? supportive. He's uh, terrific. Yeah, because they do some great nonfiction there. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Amazingly enthusiastic, yeah. uh, and like like you said, he you know it, to 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 have the faith in us and in the book yeah. to come back and say, well, this is yeah. heftier than you expected, um, and then to to invite us on board um, to carry it forward in a in a second volume. Yeah. In a yes, because basically we then sold him the rest of the book. <laughs> well, that was my question at the end of <laughs> yeah, the yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, because we so do that's have to write it. I mean, well, yeah, I know, right? But, but, but the research will has want been to done. Know. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, in the course of doing this book together, I know you did a lot of this just by email, going back and forth, but how many times did you actually meet face-to-face? -face? Well, not, not that often. I think around three times. Mm -hmm. Over the entire course of the book, yeah, about three times. Um, uh, last time I saw you when we had our planning session for the second book was back in May, and I hadn't seen you um, since uh, June of 2016, so about two years. Uh, right. But we would talk on the phone constantly, and at a certain point when we were in, in the midst of the collaboration, if you looked at my iPhone, the call list is all Max Allen Collins, Max Allen Collins, Max Allen Collins. And I, you know, I, I did have the thought, I wish I could show this to my, my 14 year old self, and it would just blow his <laughs> mind that you know, his favorite <laughs> author is calling him every hour on the oh, hour. That's so cool. Yeah. You know, all the research you guys did, was there anything, because you already, you, both of you already knew a lot about these two men, but what were some of those facts that you found and what piece, what single piece of research was just sort of a mind blower for you that changed your ideas about LNS or Al Capone? Well, these may seem minor, but they yeah. were, they were to us mind blowing because yeah. we had read everything we could lay our hands on about, mm -hmm. about Ness and we discovered, and I don't know, maybe somebody else reported this, but I never noticed it. Ness and Capone basically lived, not basically, lived on the same street in Chicago for, for quite South, a number of South years. South Prairie. On the South, South Prairie. In houses that are mirror images of each other while they're beginning their careers. I thought that careers. was so interesting. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the, the fact that Elliot Ness, who's famous for being the most incorruptible, honest lawman uh, in American history, lied about his age on his, his, uh, his the, the employment forms because they had changed the the requirements, mm -hmm. and he had to he had to bump his year age too up. Young. Too he young. had to bump his age. It was twenty five. You had to be twenty five. Right. He was twenty four. Yeah. How interesting. And yeah. for me, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned we'd, we'd read a lot and we learned a lot, and mm -hmm. we we had to unlearn a lot too, because yeah. you sure. said at one point yeah. that we had to, you know, it's like nobody's ever written this before. When when you go back to the primary sources, right. you discover a very different story. And and for me, it's it's a more nuanced answer to your question, which is, you know, Ness at the end of his life when he uh, was, was in some bad business situations. He was very hurt, uh, hurting for money, um, and he did what he had resisted doing for his entire life up to that point, which is agree to collaborate on a book about his Capone experiences with a sports writer named Oscar Fraley. And the book has, is 60 years old. It's been disparaged for about 59 years, you know, yeah. uh, as, as total fiction, as being um, 
self-aggrandizing, self-aggrandizing, uh -huh. and and even more sympathetic writing that's been done about Ness has tended to to take that on at face value. And we had the idea of well, let's actually compare the book mm -hmm. to the historical record as much as we could. And you know, there were things in there that I thought, oh, of course that was made up. That's certainly not true. And we were able to find multiple sources confirming them. Wow. And and for me, you know, that that was in, in some way the great discovery that. If Ness said he did something, he really he so did. So he it. really he really was that in in incorruptible or that untouchable kind of person, right? Right, but the 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 ghostwriter took all these things that Ness told him, right. and Ness wrote a short memoir mm -hmm. that was not was really self-effacing. Yeah, and he put things in whatever order mm -hmm. he thought would make a good story, uh, and so that's dialogue. So that's the and part that's dialogue right. And, right. And the only thing I know that Ness did that was in that vein was Ness was married three times. Yes, yes. And he made his first wife the only wife throughout yep. his whole, oh. as if he'd been dating her back probably 20 years before he met her. And just mm -hmm. about, yeah. So, so he, he did also lie about that. But in, in terms yeah. of these wild escapades of, you know, knocking down brewery doors with a, a truck with a ram on the front of mm -hmm. it, all of that stuff is for real. Or parading yeah. all the trucks that <coughs> confiscated past Capone's headquarters in the Lexington Hotel. I honestly right. for sure thought that was made up. And then we found uh, an interview with a prohibition agent who talked about it. Um, the uh, daughter of one of the untouchables mm -hmm. uh, remembers her father talking about that before that, that book came out. Um, and we spoke to somebody who also remembered watching the, the Untouchables series with his grandfather, oh. or his fa grandfather, uh -huh. who had been a, a, a crime, photographer, crime scene photographer in the, in the era. Uh, and when he saw that scene, he said the whole show was made up. But the, the truck parade in front of Capone's headquarters, that actually happened. Yeah, so multiple okay. sources confirming right, the story right. in the book. So I know in the prologue, you guys, you talk a little about, Max, you wrote the prologue. We're right. talking about a lot of the, the other books and the films. The inter the inter yeah, the introduction. In, 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 yeah, the and I've gotten into yeah. some trouble for that. Uh, yeah, no, 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 I, well. I've had my wrist slapped about that uh, because, uh, and there was an otherwise very favorable review. It was like, uh, you know, five stars for the book, one star for the introduction, <laughs> you know. Uh, but we we I basically take on some of the, the the not a lot of books but the three or four books that were inaccurate and some of in these very are, specific ways but we did yeah. it in very specific ways right. it's been suggested that I should have just done it vaguely I should have said well the, these books were 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 somewhat inaccurate but right. I, and so sure. but I feel like if you're going to try to do the definitive version you have to be specific about what people got wrong Mm -hmm. And and really that that was all I was trying to do. Yeah. As far as the Untouchables movie, the uh, the Brian De Palma film, right. um, and I David Mamet wrote. David Mamet wrote. wrote I think play. it's a very entertaining yeah, right. film. I yeah. think De Palma's a terrific filmmaker. Mm -hmm. uh, but there were some dumb things in it. Yeah. I mean, like having a having a uh, a jury switched in the middle of a trial. How does that work? Uh, like having Mounties chasing uh, somebody around because they had bought rum. In a country where rum is legal, these, these things just would yeah. have been easy to right. fix, yeah. right. and that and so I, I did complain about that. That probably the most egregious one is uh, Frank Nitti, the the successor to Cap to Capone, essentially uh, is thrown off a rooftop by Elliot Ness, who was not that kind of oh. person. I actually yeah. I met a gentleman um, who knew Ness near the end of his life. Uh, he's still alive, 94, I think, uh, lives in yeah. Pennsylvania, and I asked him. You know, have you seen the films and the TV shows? How do the portrayals compare? And he started laughing and said, "That scene where he threw Frank Nitti off a building—that was just ridiculous." 
<laughs> but the only yeah. thing I oh, would... Oh, he wasn't that type of man. That not at all. Not a, he hated guns. He hated violence. Uh, right. And we're, we're and not... You, you do have to take that dramatic license, right. I guess, at some point. And the only uh, thing uh, I would... Well, I kind of yeah. think his dramatic license should have been revoked on <laughs> those, those areas. Yeah. The yeah. only thing I would add to what you say um, was you, you were accused of trashing previous books, which I think... I, apparently, the reviewer uh, doesn't know what goes on in the kind of graduate seminars I sit in, which is serious trashing of books. Um, but, but, you know, you were pointing out often a lot of what historians, at least academic historians do, is looking at uh, trends in literature, pointing out, um, and this, is, this was a definite trend. This was a way that Ness in particular, but also Capone, have been characterized pretty exclusively in nonfiction works. And so to identify that trend with specific uh, examples mm -hmm. and point out why we think it's wrong is not only uh, uh, our, our fair game for a historian, but also I think our responsibility. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's over 90 pages of source material in the back of the sources, and so I think I think this will probably end up being the definitive. Well, thank you. <laughs> that was the idea. I, that's the idea. So it also works very well as a doorstop. No. So buy two is what he's saying. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So prohibition in Chicago. Um, what did you? What do you think that made Chicago so ripe for the rise of Al Capone? and his outfit? Well, I do know that uh, Capone, like Ness, saw his field of endeavor in a professional way. Mm -hmm. I think Capone looked at this and said, this is a chance to, to, to be a prof professional sure. criminal, to right. have a business as opposed to, we're going to knock over a bank, or we're going to mm -hmm. mm -hmm. knock over a grocery store, or we're going to burgle a house. Here's, here's something that has some potential as a, as a long-term business. Interestingly, Ness, who thought about being a, a lawyer uh, at one point, decided that the law enforcement field was ripe for professionalism, for somebody to come in and treat it mm -hmm. like a profession, not just be gendarmes, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or stormtroopers for that matter. And, and, and Ness was a pioneer in, in forensics, and mm -hmm. well, some, mention some of the things well, that... Sure. Uh, yeah, forensics, uh, lie detector, he like, the which is a, a lot of what's going invention. on in Chicago. Yeah, but that's yeah. as a result, law enforcement, and Ness was at the center of this and leading it, was having to professionalize itself and modernize because, because people like Capone were professionalizing right. and modernizing. Yeah. And you had this very unique situation in Chicago at the start of Prohibition where you had these long-term uh, vice gangs, gangs that had been involved in you know, the levee, the red light district with prostitution, with gambling, uh, selling alcohol, which was legal back then, obviously. Um, and, and so they had built relationships. I mean, they, they came from the same neighborhoods and had, you know, were boyhood friends with the local cops, the aldermen, the, the government. Right. And so when uh, alcohol is outlawed, when uh, there's this new uh, growth industry that people who have been you know, making their living with brothels and casinos suddenly can jump in and, and, and fill this, this need, all of that infrastructure is already there. And Capone, who's born in Brooklyn but mm -hmm. gets brought out to Chicago around 1919, involved with a fellow by the name of John, Johnny Torrio, who was really Capone's uh, mentor and role model, the kind of person who mm -hmm. he wanted to be, uh, a, a criminal who lives like a respectable businessman. He sees, he sees the value in this, but he also sees that all these cowboys uh, really on the north side who are still you know, doing robberies and blowing safes and things like that, uh, they see the, 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 the possibility too. And so because 
Torio and when Capone takes over, their organization professionalized. They have these longstanding relationships. They uh, they don't just get in open gun battles. They plan targeted assassinations. Um, they end up on top because they they are more sophisticated in many cases than their than their competitors. Yeah. But you have these rack you have these rackets that are there are are businesses the prostitution and, and and gambling. But you have with prohibition something more than a racket. You have you have a business that appeals to a wide uh, you know people that go to church and mean it would still <laughs> go to a, to a speakeasy yeah. because yeah. it was something that it was a it was a part of it was legislating morality in a way that just was not not popular or uh, accepted by the and common man and it makes them a even even yeah. though actually it wasn't illegal to buy to buy but still there was a sense that the, this vast swath of the public had become lawbreakers right yeah and so so Capone is just saying hey I'm just a businessman and I've got customers and mm -hmm. what's okay. how am I any different yeah. from anybody yeah. else and I love the way you started the book off with uh, St. Valentine's Day. Yeah, <laughs> a cold, misty morning in yep. February. Yep. So that was that was a great way to open the book. So, question for both of you: yes. What's next for each one of you as an author and the collaboration? I think we talked a little bit about before we started. Well, I'm I'm just about to start uh, one of my uh, continuations of the late Mickey Spillane's uh, my camera yeah. stories. I've been right. working with the estate, and Mickey had chosen yes. me. Uh, as, as essentially his successor yeah. Yeah. and I've been gradually completing books and I'm really up to about the 11th or 12th book now uh, and that's a that's a lot of fun and an honor a real yeah. honor for yeah, me I would say and as for uh, right after that I will be working <laughs> on my my draft of the untouchable and the butcher <laughs> which is the next uh -huh. book and, he, and he's working on it right now. Which I'm hip okay. deep in, wow. yeah. So, and then wow. I have to write a dissertation at some yeah, point Yeah, I'm wondering how you're doing this with getting your I'm <laughs> wondering myself. <laughs> your PhD <laughs> with all of this. So I'm very impressed with these of you guys. Thanks. Have you so thought about the, the literary accomplishments of Max Allen Collins <laughs> for your <laughs> dissertation? Do you really want to be uh, subject of an American history dissertation? Maybe not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be history. I want to be the exactly. president. <laughs> But I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me. We're so excited about this book. And well, you're awfully good at this. Well, it's, it's, you made it easy. So <laughs> thank, you. thank you so much. And please come back for the next book. You have to. You have to Absolutely. promise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. What a great conversation we've had with two authors who've collaborated on one of the best pieces of nonfiction this year. It's Max Allen Collins and A. Brad Schwartz, Scarface and the Untouchable, Al Capone and Elliot Ness and the Battle for Chicago. You've got to read this one. Thanks for joining me on Authors Revealed.